Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. Uh. Check it out now. Uh. No doubt now. It is the Beating the Book Podcast. Gil Alexander, strange, strange times we are living in, that's for sure. Expect a whole bunch of podcast content coming your way, most of which will be brand new material, some of which, admittedly, in the coming weeks, will be previously aired content that still hopefully will have some applicable nature to them as we move forward. Some baseball season win totals, for instance, from Roxy and Jason Weingarten, Roxy Roxborough, that is, perhaps scaled back to whatever length of a season we'll get, that kind of thing. Today, something brand new. This is from my interview last week with Alan Boston. Had never aired on VEASAN till just this week. We put it in podcast form. Alan Boston, his origins, how he became the man and the better that he is today. The arc of his life as a better. Exclusively right here on the Beating the Book podcast. Enjoy. It is a numbers game right here at VEASAN, the Vegas Stats and Information Network, the Sports Betting Network. Gil Alexander. Um, this is a privilege today. Uh, it's actually an honor, and I really mean that, and I know that kind of makes uh, my guest here today feel a little uncomfortable perhaps, but it really is. Uh, a profile of one of the great iconic betters in the United States has been for many decades, and just happy to have a chance to sit down and talk to him. The great Alan Boston. What's happening, man? Thank you for coming in. Nothing's happening. That's, the, <laughs> that's, the, that's why we're that's here today. That's the problem. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you coming in. That intro doesn't make you feel uncomfortable, does it? That you're that I consider you iconic in this field. Uh, it, it does, but it probably shouldn't. In, in reflecting upon what's out there today. Yes. Well, we'll get so, to that. Yeah. We'll get to that. Can I start at the beginning? Start I think, wherever you want. It's your show. <laughs> I think. I think people. Some people are very familiar with you. Most, perhaps, in this day and age, are not. And I want to remedy that. Can we start at the beginning? Like, just tell us where you grew up, how you grew up, and how it is that you first gravitated towards betting in general. Uh, 
So having uh, always been a very uh, self-reflective person, I uh, grew up in Brighton, Mass., which is a suburb of Boston, which is now the high-rent district. But when I lived there, it certainly wasn't. My parents got married young, 19 and 20. They had me nine months later. Uh, best friend growing up was Howie, and we saw each other. My mother and his mother literally walked us in strollers. So I literally have known him my whole life. Wow. He's two months older than me. And uh, his mother became like my second mother. But my mother was 20 when she had me, and, and Ray was, I think, 45 when she had Howie. And Howie was a lonely child with, an, with, an, with older parents, and, and the dynamic was difficult for him. And uh, anyway, my father got a job in uh, Framingham, which is, uh, it might have been Worcester first. Worcester, which is 60 miles uh, west of Boston. We moved to Framingham and what they would now call the hood, but we called it uh, limited income housing back then. Hmm. Uh, and uh, that move probably uh, was, I mean, even though I'm only seven years old, it was uh, a very, very uncomfortable dynamic for a very, very long time and probably is probably the start of, I mean, it sounds strange, but probably the start of how I ended up uh, choosing to be in a field that that that's more loner-driven than than something normal, <laughs> for about lack of a better word. Yeah. Uh, there, yeah, there is a, a a social aspect to what we do, perhaps. Yeah. Not 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 the way I do it. Uh, so, yeah, loner-driven. That's that's definitely uh, it. Do you remember the first time so, that you? Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I don't. Yeah, I mean, we're not even close to the betting part yeah. yet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm really, I, I, I know I get uh, long-winded and wind-blown, but I really try to explain thoroughly, like, where I'm coming from. Please. And the only way to do it is to really try to give a picture of, of me, the person. So here I am, uh, feeling alone without my best friend in, 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 a, in a new place. And I remember someone called me a one day, and I did break his nose, so that was the last time he used that word, but. How old were you then? Uh, eight. Wow. Yeah, but all this was foreign to me. I didn't know, you know, like. Alan Boston, kind enough to join us here on a numbers game, special best of edition of a numbers game right here at VEASAN, the sports betting network. Uh, Alan? The idea of racism to me is is bizarre. Like we're all human beings. Like what is what does anyone think they're better than them? Or it's, it's uh, and like I said, I lived in a very uh, mixed bag community. So when you're young, you're, you're, uh, you know, my 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 best friend had a, a mixed mixed parent, and one of my friends in Framingham, uh, his, his dad was uh, white and his mother was African American. I guess is the best way to say it. And big deal, you know. It it didn't matter. So you know, uh, so that yeah, that that was that that word was hurtful. But but he didn't say it again after that. But it did kind of like you know, set me more towards a shell. So. Uh, what people wouldn't know about me was I probably was more athletic than I was smart, which is uh, mm. probably a big surprise, uh, and and really had a, a great knack for playing baseball. And so there's the uh, the rub is I love baseball, but uh, at five years old I had a my mother had me take what I now know as an IQ test, and I know I did very well with it because I remember one of the I remember there was a question that that got her you know I was rattling the answers off and her jaw dropped and like uh so 
my young parents know they have a smart kid. Uh, what they don't know is their smart kid wanted to play baseball. And now I come to a, a, an area where I don't know anybody and don't really have the opportunities to, to, you know, like, you know, play a pickup game or, or, or do anything like that. So uh, I, I was already driven into a, a, a small circle there, and I'm, and, I, and I'm doing all this for a reason. Uh, at eight years old, my father took me to Hinsdale Raceway, which is in New Hampshire. Quite a long ride. His friend had a horse racing. The name of the horse was Beth Dexter. I don't know well, I remember that, but I do. Wow. Uh, Wayne Colby drove, I think, for Gordon Corey, who still trained and ultimately trained a horse for me uh, 50 years later. So uh, Gordon Corey's from Maine. He's a awesome old school, naturally, uh, harness trainer. Uh, the horse did win by a nose, and uh, that's probably kind of the start of my love of gambling. Eight years old, watching a horse win by the thinnest of margins. It was a finished print, and uh, back then it took a while. They had to actually wait for the photograph to finish to see who won. Mm -hmm. uh, several trips to harness tracks later, and uh, a uh, rough marriage, and you know what I talked about earlier. Uh, the uh, too early knowing that we're mortal really drove me into this uh, inner, inward, bitter, cynical human who found uh, solace and peace of mind at the racetrack. So now baseball's out. In fact, everything's out. I, I didn't want to see anybody. I, what was the point? And uh, so now I go to Penn, which I shouldn't have gone to. Uh, I wasn't ready for college because I hadn't allowed myself to get out there at all, you know. Uh, but you were obviously super smart enough to get into Penn. It was easier to get into back then. Hmm. But, yeah, I'm not denying uh, my intelligence. I definitely have a probably higher IQ than most. Uh, can, I, can I – let me just interrupt one thing you said there that I just want to clarify for people. You said uh, that you knew mortality. You knew that. Did I miss what you were talking about specifically there? What, what you were I, we had to? had that interview, and, and I think I went through a very painful segment. I could, I could redo it. Uh, when you understand that you're going to die at the age of 13, it's, it's young. It's too young. And when it coincides with your parents' breakup, uh, then what's the point of falling in love, right? It's, it's number one, you're going to die anyway. And number two, look, what, look at how it might end up anyway. So at the time that I should have been interested in girls i was interested in hanging out in a closet in yeah. a room i mean just by myself i didn't want to uh interact with anybody what was the part so for the for those who don't remember though what was the part where you thought you were going by 13 that you might not be with us anymore what was that, that wasn't no 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 you're, miss, you're missing it i understood that it that everything does end you don't oh, understand that at 13 typically i see okay in fact in the movie boyhood the kid asked uh ethan hawk you know, what's the point of all this? And, and Ethan Hawke brilliantly answered, I don't know, we're all just winging it. But he was 18 in that film, and this kid was a very evolved human, and, 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 the, mo and the movie in some ways mirrored his, his, uh, his, his life. So, you know, if, if it dawned on him around 17, 18, I imagine 13 is, is, is a little on the light side. Yeah, sure too. is. Be understanding that, and then that thought could be, you know, how, how I have—I don't know if other, you know, I'm young, I'm a kid, I'm 13 years old, I don't know anything. You don't know if other people even understand that, and and so you really don't want to bring it up because you don't want to make other people. What if, what if they don't understand, you know? And and so you just don't bring it up. I always picture the world like just saying, all right, 
if uh, there's someone out there, we're going to stop living, which we're about to do here, by the way. Uh, <laughs> a, <laughs> all right, everybody was stopping. So tell us what this is all about. Yeah, and, you know, we're recording this during the uh, the coronavirus pandemic. That's why Alan makes that comment. So with all that background, then, as you say, you're probably not prepared to go to college, but yet you're at Penn then. Yeah, I'm at Penn, and now I go to uh, the Plustra, and I watch LaSalle and Duquesne. The uh, city schools played their games at the Plustra then because it was before. It's when people played for the love of the game and not because there was big money involved. Uh, I dare say more kids enter sports because of the big paycheck now than because they love to play, right? The kids used to play, you know, like uh, football in the fall, hockey in the winter, and, and, and baseball in the spring, and now they choose a sport in yeah. 365 days a year. So that whole dynamic has changed too. They have coaches when they're, you know, six, seven, eight years old. The whole thing is just crazy, but it's understandable given the fact how much money these pros make. Sure. You know, when you're making way more than a doctor, you may as well spend time on sports than on academics. But you're right. It was totally normal to just switch sports every season. That of course. Was, yeah. And, and fun. Uh, so, yeah, here I am at Penn, and, and uh, I uh, watched Duquesne and LaSalle, and i like, wow, that point guard for Duquesne's really good. It turned out it was Norm Nixon, so, yeah, he was pretty good. <laughs> uh, and I used to buy the New York uh, – Daily News, and in the New York Daily News, there was a little column called The Latest Line. The Latest Line was by a gentleman named uh, Jim McCarthy. It might have been Jim McCarthy Jr., but he wrote all these little alliterative blurbs that are often kind of clever. Take Manhattan to sink Navy. I mean, you know, so it's a little cliche, sink Navy, but it, it he had better stuff than that. And, you know, he listed the lines, and this is 19... 19- 70s, you know, this is the dark ages. You could barely get a score in a game. That's what people now couldn't possibly understand, how much different it is now than then. It's, it's, it's like even 70s to 80s was different, and the 80s is the dark ages compared to now. So you were lucky if you can get a score in a game. Sometimes it took a day or two to, to get a West Coast score on the East Coast. Yeah. Uh, to get updates, you used to have to fiddle with the radio to try to get WINS in New York. At quarter past the hour, they would update all the scores. Uh, so if we're still in the bottom of the fifth inning, you knew you were rallying like for two consecutive updates. You right. knew something good That's was happening. Right. That's how you sweated it. Uh, so I'll try to get. I'll try to fast forward this a little bit. So I, I was aware of what the lines were because they were in the New York Daily News. I was also aware that people could pick winners in this game, but I wondered how. I mean, how do you get information on the Creighton Missouri State game when you're or Southwest Missouri State at the time when you're living. 2,500 miles away, and you can barely get a score on it. How do these so-called wise guys know who's going to win? So I was intrigued. Uh, graduate college, 1981, read a book called The Handicapper by uh, Robert Kalich. Page one and two of The Handicapper is this uh, handicapper, the man, it turns out, and he gets this manic influx of phone calls uh, with all this information because you could not get information back then. There was no internet. There was no nothing. It was just they completely winged it. That's what was so intriguing. Uh, and he put all this information into his uh, internal database, and he just winged out the winners. And after reading the book, which was not the cheeriest of books, but uh, I said, you know, I'd like to be that guy someday. And, you know, I guess in, in, in a lot of ways I, I, I succeeded. Was and, was it or failed? My as my mother might think. But. No, no, I'm sure she doesn't. But yeah, you know, I'm, I'm curious. Was it about 
you know, was it your love of sports? Maybe it was, maybe it was all these things. A Actually, love the only sport I didn't watch was basketball. So no. Oh wow. Well, so I, it I wasn't to be that. A baseball player. I love baseball. How interesting. But I what was baseball. it? A, so baseball's, what, the, baseball's it. What was it about basketball handicapping then specifically? It's, like the, when, uh, it's the unknown. It's that. How do these guys know? That's what was intriguing. How the hell do you know when you can't even get a score in a game? How do you know who's going to win some game when you can't get a score? And and it was nothing. And no information. Nothing. It was nothing for us on the East Coast. To it was normal for us if there was a late basketball game from the West Coast. The next morning's paper would never have it. We'd have to wait another day. Right. That's to what get I said. that Sometimes score. A good day yeah. So. Do you remember acknowledging in your head? You didn't even have to verbalize this at the time, but you remember? Do you ever? Do you remember acknowledging that in addition to being fascinated by the actual subject matter, that it would also afford you to not have to deal with other people? Maybe like it was. Oh, here's this. Here's a vocation. Here's something I can do where I can actually just be by myself and do it. Do you remember that speaking to you? No, not no, at I all. I really don't remember much because uh, then the '80s was. Uh... Uh, an attempt to hide from all these painful thoughts, and I did it. You know, Coke was uh, very relevant, and I certainly found it. I remember the first time I did a line, uh, my friend and I were driving to Hartford Teletheater to bet Yonkers Raceway. I'm a, I'm a big Harness fan. Not anymore. They ruined that game, too. But uh, at the time, I was a Harness nut and uh, did very well betting Harness races. Again, I, I, where others looked at the obvious, I looked at what was going on at the back of the pack, and that's where you found the most information out at a Harness race. So... Uh, I've always had the – my mind's always worked logically. I can't follow a TV show. I can't read directions and, and follow it. If you have directions on how to build uh, this, this phone, put together the phone, I couldn't do it. Hmm. But logically, I'll, I'll solve your uh, relationship problem in two seconds. You know, it's, it's just that part of my brain works in, in, in a very good manner. Uh, so, no, I, I, I got myself in trouble betting. I uh, – Ultimately worked for a bookmaker to work off my debt and did so for many years. And at some point, the FBI, uh, the, the state police raided my house. Uh, why do they want me? I'm just a clerk. I'm just a guy who worked for a bookmaker. Certainly they know that, you know. But it turns out that one of the guys I, I uh, met to help out as part of the game was exchanging information with a state cop. So by... Hmm. indirectly I got put in with him and they thought I was some big deal but <laughs> it was nothing yeah so when they raided my house they didn't find anything because I'm nobody uh, seriously they, they had my heart they had heart, stacks of harness programs with that's what they carried out of there and they were pissed and uh it also helped that I knew they were coming so I you know maybe got rid of uh, some drugs that were there and uh it's <laughs> just sorry Sarge yeah. uh, <laughs> statute of limitations has expired <laughs> we hope gives a I, mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I was nobody I, I wouldn't hurt a fly believe no, me I, 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 that's not a mean bone in my body uh, so, uh, so 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 yeah uh yeah this this this, this has purpose too uh so I'm in Vegas when I get a call uh your trial's coming up and and of course we beat the case and in fact uh the judge in the case was Judge Zovell he later did a very famous case, uh, the, that shaken baby case with the nanny. Oh, yeah. Uh, he was the judge in that case. His wife was a judge, too. Brilliant guy. I remember when he first postponed it, he said, uh, so we're going to postpone this from June 14th, Flag Day, to the more ominous July 14th, Bastille Day. And I'm like, <laughs> this guy's awesome. You know, that's, that's, awesome. The that's awesome, just yeah. bringing that out like that. Yeah. Also, I remember when I was first pleading, the kid before me was up for murder. 
And now I'm up. And he says, uh, you know, name, et cetera, et cetera. You know, did you go to college? I said, yes. Where'd you go? I said, University of Pennsylvania. Did you graduate? Yes. Degree, biological basis of behavior. And the judge is like, looking at me like, what the hell are you doing here? Like, this is. Yeah. First kid, this kid was up for murder. And I'm, I'm up for uh, taking water. bets over a telephone or something. You know, some yeah. nonsense. Anyway, the judge ended up yelling at the DA and said, don't ever bring a case like this in front of me again. Because they had nothing on me. Because I was nobody. Literally, I'm nobody. I'm just a kid who was answering telephones, working off a of debt. Wait, That's Alan, you, you glossed over something. What was your major? Biological basis of behavior. What is what like? It's how... pre-med. <laughs> it's pre-med. That's right. what it is. It's pre-med. Okay. Right. I just interviewed a kid who's, who's uh, majoring in it too. I said, you know what? I was a guinea pig for that. They, it, it was an experiment. They were trying. They were, they were, they were teaching the sciences in a, in a typically different order. They taught physics before uh, biology, I think. I don't know. They just had some set thing, but it also allowed a lot of freedom of of choosing classes. So I took some anthropology. I took a lot of psychology. Uh, but I had no idea what I wanted to do. I, I, I wanted to teach school, but school teachers don't make any money. Yeah. You had no idea, but you kind of knew. I kind of wanted to be a school teacher. Yeah. If school they teacher, don't make any money. Yeah, if they got paid, you, would you be a school teacher yeah. today? Yeah. What do you think you would teach? What, English. English. 100%. Really? I, have the whole, I have the whole thing scheduled. In fact, I was going to do it anyway. I told Chad when we were doing the book that, you know, if I have another good year, I'm, I'm done. Referring to the odds, the book that uh... yeah, I, the year before we had killed it. The year before the odds, we had absolutely killed it. We won so much money, it was nuts. Like the IRS was very happy with me that year. Uh, yeah. And the next year, I did pretty good. But then I maybe you know I maybe got in over my head. I built a really expensive house, and I tried to keep the mortgage down. And and you know I never had planning. I just did everything by day. I never worried about anything. That's why this whole coronavirus thing it doesn't even phase me. It is what it is. It's just life, you know happens it's let's go back to your court your court date there how from that point forward all right so i'm found innocent and now i'm told you got to get out of town alan because they'll plant evidence if they have to <laughs> really okay i had met someone uh during the world series of poker which i came out for every year since 83 and jeff star was his name he passed away a couple years ago uh i'll probably visit his wife while i'm out here uh, yeah, Carol will be pissed if I don't visit her. And he said, you know, you can always come out here, we'll make money. Now, I had no idea what he meant by we'll make money, and I didn't know him that well. I knew he had money. Uh, he kind of lived uh, very freely. And, and we got along great, so I, I, thought, I thought it'd be a good thing, but I wasn't going to go out there cold. And this is probably the only, one of the more intelligent, one of the smarter things I did. So that summer, I... Bought a, uh, a, a, college ba a college football book, and I really was very wrong on how I created my power ratings. I looked, at, I looked at some final scores and started with a final score, and then from there looked at the final scores and jotted down a bunch of numbers, hmm. right, based on final scores. Right. You base it on the result, not what actually happened. Right, but I had no way of finding out what happened because right. this is 1988 or 87, 88, somewhere around there. Uh, and then I bought the sporting news and, and found out who was coming back and then changed my ratings. Again, not really properly, but the first week I said, listen, the starters puts their lineup at 6 o'clock on Sunday night. Here's what I made the eight games this week. Do what you want. And sure enough, I remember the first one he bet was Washington State plus six against Illinois uh, at home, and I made a pick. And it closed uh, pick in Washington State one. We had plus six. Hmm. There were... Bigger moves back then. The lines weren't as strong. 
because it was, you know, it was less information. It wasn't a computer age. It was a bunch of guys trying to figure out a line. And, and, and you know, they did a good job. They really did. In, 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 in retrospect, you know, Scotty had guys who knew what they were doing. Scotty Shetler. Yeah. But, like, even if I put up a line today, let's say some guy, random guy on the street who knows something about college basketball, if I put the line up to him, he's going to beat me. Because he has a choice of finding where I made a mistake. Right. Now, maybe he's not going to beat me for as much as I'd beat him. I would gather that's the truth because I'm just better at it and I've had more experience. But uh, And where he think I might have made a mistake, I might actually have – might not have made a mistake, right? Yeah. So, uh, Referring to the fact that the bookmaker has to put up a line for everything. Right. But you as you the have better a better gets to, cho- yeah. to choose. So the, even on million 11 to 10, if you know what you're doing, you have the edge. That's the whole point of being a sports better. Uh or you can be like some of the people today and just get out there and claim you do everything and lie about it and hope something good happens. That's that's the other approach. Yeah, we're gonna, uh, we're gonna get to that. I'm, I'm, anyway, uh, so was that late '80s, early '90s? We're part? talking. We're talking late '80s. I'm at the. I go. To, I went to the Hyatt Regency in Cambridge every night. Al Lynch was the bartender. I had no money. I remember I used to nurse an Amstel Light. It was two dollars. I left a dollar for a tip. He had uh, free nuts there, so I got to munch on them. <laughs> Monday Night Football, they had free hot dogs and popcorn back then. I remember Richie Schwartz, who was also a very famous uh, uh, thoroughbred handicapper who recently passed away, but he would come in and visit me just for the free, free hot dogs and popcorn. He was so cheap. Uh, <laughs> but it, it was a beautiful hotel. I met, I met Hulk Hogan there, and uh, I met uh, Christopher Walken there. Where was the Cambridge exactly? It's right, right bordering the MIT campus. Okay. It's oh, right, oh, right on the Charles River. Oh, so the Cambridge in Ma- in Cambridge, Mass, right on the Charles River there. Right, that's right. I and I lived I lived in Watertown at the time, which is I, I lived ten minutes away, so it was a very nice place to drink. And again, I could be by myself. It wasn't a disco, which were yeah, you know, a little more popular. Well, they they had phased out by then, but you know, I could bring my bullet and do my cocaine and drink, have a very nice night, and I'd work on my power ratings. So when the time came for me to leave. Did the Coke focus you? Did it help focus you, you think? No, I just got high. It was just good back high. then. The Coke today sucks, but <laughs> back then it was really good. Sorry. Just uh, brief aside. Yes. So, what? I mean, you know, if that, if that bothers somebody, tell like, no, no, it's, no. it's just, a, it's just, a dr- I mean, no, no, I'm laughing. Drugs, are, I, drugs I, are drugs. What do you think? What do you think mentally ill people get? I laugh because it people. amuses me. So, well, what people bro- who are depressed or people who can't sleep, they get drugs. So, Vegas then permanently, how did that happen? So I told my friend, these are the games I made. It turns out that every game moved the way I thought it would move. Yeah. My lines were good. So he said, all right, I'll give you a couple hundred a game. And, I, and he got me a place to stay. My job, ironically, was to take care of some dogs. So the dogs got well cared for, naturally. And, uh, and I, you know, I remember at 200 a game, I had like 7,200. And now, you know, he was betting, he bet 800 a game to start. And now we were betting 5,000 a game. Uh, and he would do what he want with the rest of it, and I would have my 200. He was a little, uh, he was a little uh, uh, tight, as, uh, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. He was a sweetheart. He wouldn't. He wouldn't. Yeah. No, he was a sweetheart. He had a good heart, but with money, he was a little, a uh, little rough around the edges. Uh, and and ultimately, that's what made it very difficult for me to work with him. So when basketball starts, I found I found a book of power ratings. I have no idea whose they were. And I started with them and, and created my own and, and just worked that season just on, you know, just on my own pretty much. Ultimately, uh, my friend Howard Letter and his crew 
he knew I he knew I knew what I was doing with uh, uh, football. And I think it was 1991-ish or so, and I was kind of laying dormant, and he asked me, do you want a handicap? I said, sure. And he gave me like $500 a game, which is nothing, but it's better than nothing. Mm-hmm. And we're killing it. And now at 7 o'clock one morning, and I never did ask him about this, I get a call. Red? Yes. Bill Walters here. Huh? <laughs> I think I might have something that's good for both of us. Uh, can you meet me at the country club? But uh, I said, I'm not a country clubber, Mr. Walters. Well, we do you want to meet then. So now I, I, I'd met him once. We didn't get along. Uh, How so? He was a bit condescending, and, and I was young. And it wasn't a good match. He was very professional, and I was very new. And he didn't realize how new I was. And just the whole talk didn't go well. The whole – that's kind of irrelevant because okay. now he has called me, and – so we meet at Ellis Island. That's where I chose. Now, Ellis Island at the time was the biggest dive bar in, in Vegas. Maybe that in the, the dispensary. I don't know. I, I can't remember the old dive bars, but Ellis Island was one of them. Same location as it is today? Yeah. Hmm. Cobalt Lane, yeah. yeah. I assume it's still there. He's still there. Yeah. Real sleaze bar. So I, I try to pick the place that he would hate most. <laughs> but I loved, I, loved, I, loved, uh, I loved Ellis Island. Uh, and red is what you went by? Red. Yeah, I had red hair. Okay. Lots of it. Well, not lots of it. That was the problem. My only good feature. That's why I lost it. Red hair and hazel eyes. Yeah, not 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 your typical <laughs> Jew combination. Not really. No, not, not right out of the not book. Not any any. I was a mutant basically. <laughs> Some would definitely agree with that too. Yeah. Uh, so he he starts telling me why I should work with him, and I said, well, I said, well, all right, is it my turn? He said, yeah. I said, well, last time we talked, you were condescending. So I don't see why I should work with you. Like I don't I don't want to deal with you. Uh, I appreciate your honesty, Red. You know, he had the right rebuttal, as usual. Long story short, my buddy Oscar, who, again, is no longer with us, uh, I talked to him, and he said, no, he couldn't stand Mr. Walters, but that, that's, that's for another day. Uh, he said, ask him for $20,000 a game. Now, I probably had $20 in my pocket. Ask him for 20000 $20, a game? No. <laughs> that's ridiculous. He said, you're, you're, you're an idiot then. He's like, he's calling me an idiot for not asking that. So, all right, well, I guess I'll ask for a lot. Like, I don't know. Like, uh, you know, I, I'm getting $500 a game. I, I don't... So, Pick I had, the number I, in between. Ultimately, I, we met at uh, the Sterling Brunch. It was the first brunch in Vegas that was really, really fancy. It was at Bally's. Elorio was the maitre d and, and they ran him out at, at some point I, I really wished i could say goodbye to him or hello to him uh i remember i ran into one of the the waiters there uh years later at the gym and he told me Oreo had just been railroaded out of there and but he was he was still doing fine but this was six years ago now but he was one of those old school vegas maitre d's who just knew how to make you feel welcome it's it was just an incredible talent to have uh, and the Sterling Brunch was this gorgeous uh, array of food with fresh-squeezed orange juice and fresh-brewed coffee at the table. And, you know, it was like $70 in the 90s. It was just insane. But that's where I met Mr. Walters. And I said, all right, I want, I want $12,000 pay to live on, and I want tw- up to 12000 a game. And he said, uh, well, what about ten? I said, this is, we're not here to bargain. It's yes, no question. And he said, all right, Red, we got a deal. 
Well, he must have known you were good, though. That, yeah, I mean, obviously. clearly. But the question is, how did he know it was me? That that that's what I have to ask him because when I was betting with 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 Howard and 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 his crew, he had a bunch of handicappers. It wasn't just me. So how'd they know it was me that that they started really you know bombing Monday mornings with? They went out on Monday morning and just started you know betting. And you still don't know that answer. You still don't know. No, that, I don't answer. that answer. Really? Wouldn't be a good chance to ask him one. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm going to if he ever gets out of jail. Yeah. Which is a real sin, but uh, yeah, I won't. We'll, we'll, we'll skip that topic. That's that's a real sore sore subject because he 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 definitely he definitely didn't do what they claim he did. Like there's just no chance. The guy spent a half a million dollars one day. I called him up one day. Well, Red, I just spent a half a million dollars to make sure what we're doing is legal. This is 1992. Mm-hmm. Spent a half a million dollars in 1992 to make sure what Jeez. we're doing is legal. Jeez. That guy, the guy who spent the half a million dollars to make sure what we're doing is legal, is not going to pick up a phone from some known scumbag who's going to tell him to buy this stock, and he's going to put that phone down and pick up the other phone. Well, buy me uh, options, uh, you know, the April 50s on this. You know, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. And didn't happen. Just 100%. Referring to, uh, just to clarify, referring to Billy Walters, uh, was the Dean Foods insider trading that got I have got no idea what it was. Thrown I, in jail. I just know it didn't happen, that, that he wouldn't yeah. do that. Number one, the money didn't matter that much. And, and number two, he was too careful. Yeah, Walters was accused of uh, and convicted for insider trading in that case, right. Dean Foods. Um, so he said oh, yes, anyways, so I said yes. So uh, we worked, and we worked successfully for many, many years. I did the basketball on my own with. Uh, uh, again, Howard, who I never, I never actually asked him. I, I feel bad about this. Actually, I never asked him. By the way, here's what Mr. Walters offered me. Do you want to match it? I just didn't think that 500 would become 12,000. Yeah, you know. But but he he should have been asked. Howard's last name? Letterer. Letter. Okay. Famous for full tilt poker. Yep. Hated actually for no reason at all. Again, people, you know, make assumptions and then have mass hysteria like a day of the locust kind of thing, like what's going on now, again, with this coronavirus, where it's, it's, I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's evil, but I'm sure it's not uh, as bad as, uh, you know, they're making it seem, or they're not telling us something. Like, it's not a deadly virus. It's very contagious, but from what I've read, it's not deadly, unless you're old like me. And all right, well, I'll be a guinea pig. I don't care. I mean, something's got to wipe this planet out because almost every single creature is in danger besides humans, and that, that can't be. Nature has to get even somehow. So hopefully, it, I wish there was some disease that just pinpointed uh, those uh, people who want to kill elephants. That's that would. That was my goal at eight years old. By the way, I wanted to be uh, hire, make enough money to hire mercenaries to uh, go down to uh, Africa and just kill anyone that even looked at an elephant the wrong way. Eight years old, you had eight that thought. Eight years old. That was my dream. Yeah, might so, have been nine. Were you aware throughout all this arc, Alan? Like. You, you correct me if I'm wrong. You're very introspective. You're very analytical. Like, are you even at eight? Were you aware, keenly aware of every little thought that you had? And did you think to yourself, "This is not normal for no. this age"? No, no. that's what the you... problem. No, because I'm a kid. What do I know? I, I just assume everyone knows everything. You know, you don't. You don't. The mortality thing I knew was was probably uh, hovering. Like, you know, because how, how can everyone be so happy knowing all this? Like, you know, all that rah rah high school. Sh- really would offend me because here I am thinking total opposite. They're, they're thinking how wonderful everything is, and I'm thinking how horrible everything is. You know, it's... Were the, were the drugs escape or were the drugs just, the drugs hey. definitely escape. Yeah. They were definitely a Band-Aid. Uh, and still are. 
Yeah. But I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not in rehab. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not struggling with uh, drug addiction. No. I, I enjoy it on occasion, and sometimes it's more than on occasion. But hey, I think I had my my best basketball season was I was whacked out of my mind every single day. Good so spot. interesting. Yeah. So so with Billy now, are you just doing college hoops, or are you doing other sports? I'm just doing college football. College football only at this. College point. football only. College hoops. I'm doing on my own again. Howard and uh, my partner Billy. A different Billy. They put 150,000 each up and uh, said, so We're three way partners. You do the work and you get a third. And we won, uh, I think we won 300,000 that year. Uh, and I said, Okay, screw you guys. I'm putting up my own 100,000. So I, did, I didn't want anyone putting up money for me. I, I don't think that's right. Uh, but without it, I wouldn't have had a start. So, you know, I did, I did get lucky in that regard that, that, that Mr. Walters came along and. I still did my thing with Mr. Walters, and I made money every year with him. I never had a losing year in football, and uh, and 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 we we started to bet pretty big with the basketball. I mean, at some point, we were pretty big betters. And you uh, and you so you smile when you say that. So yeah, it must oh, have been we, pretty good. large. There was one day. I mean, so I'll tell this story. There was one day. I I uh, I just told the story to Matt of uh, the three MW crew. Three-man wave, yeah. That uh, Herb Sendak was coaching, as he stated, it was playing Bobby Kremens. And this was back when 45-second clocks and, you know, being a good coach mattered more because you could control tempo and, and control the game a lot more than you can now. Uh, so coaching mattered a lot more back then, and, and psychology mattered a lot more. But, but that, that, that's for another day. So I wanted to bet NC State. This was, like, this was later in the year. Uh, they needed this game like blood. They, were kind of, they kind of would have been considered probably on the bubble. It'd be bubble talk now. There was no fraudnati around there to, to torture us with his, <laughs> with his horse shit. But uh, yeah, he's, he's – wow. Uh, fraudnati reference caches on the show. Yeah. Fraudnati, yeah. It's yeah. Talk about somebody who knows absolutely nothing about basketball who who's, seems to have relevance. What a shame. Uh this late eighties with Kremens, early eighties, late no, early nineties. No, 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 we've moved up the ladder here. Yeah. We're, uh, we've, uh, no, no, we've, we've, we've had some success, and you'll hear how much success in about a minute. Yeah, this is circa nineteen ninety nine. Okay. So the lines one and a half and two, and I made it three. I made Georgia Tech three, but I wanted to bet NC State plus three. Now I had a, I, you know, I, I have my own way of doing things that that. that you know, right or wrong, it's how I did it. I, you know, there was no handbook on how to do it, so I just winged it, and and hoped that it worked out. And and you know, for the most part, it did. I I, I only recently realized when I did uh, a podcast with Jeffrey Barr and and Rufus Peabody that I I what I what I've done is 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 actually rather incredible. So. Not bragging, but I never thought of. I just, I'm just a guy betting sports. What's the big deal? You know, I, I didn't realize that some of my thoughts were like, you know, ahead of, so ahead of the game. It, it's crazy, but it was just, it was just sheer luck, or, or you know, just that part of my brain works well. And I think, you know, maybe a combination of both. So anyway, I started. I laid the one and a half, and I started laying all the twos on the screen. And typically, you know, it was back then where it, it's not as ridiculous as it is now, where where these People see a line move and they move without a bet, which is totally opposite what you should be doing. <laughs> uh, so long story short, 
which is unusual for me, I end up with $72,000 on Georgia Tech. But I like NC State. Mm-hmm. Now, $72,000 is a large bet for us. So never mind, I have it on the wrong side. So I called my buddy Oscar up, and I said, uh, see what you can get on uh, NC State plus three, and, and, and if you have to buy plus three minus 20, that's okay too because we're bending the law here. So he came back with 117000 off screen. And by off screen, I mean the Don Best screen wasn't affected by it. Mm-hmm. All right, well, that's good. Now we have uh, a pretty big bet on the right side. So now we can just go and, you know, bet the rest of our outs. We had someone who helped us. I told him, go get, you know, plus three, plus three, minus 20. And we finished it. And we ended up with this humongous bet on uh, NC State, which as soon as we were done betting, Mr. Walters bet the same side. So now it's gone from one and a half Georgia Tech to three Georgia Tech to now one and a half NC State. <laughs> hmm. Wow. Right. And they won by 100. Like, But I'd never gone out in a limb like that. And, and my partner, who was a little conservative, was never, never blinked. I got to give him credit. Like, you know, he let this lunatic uh, just <laughs> do whatever he wanted to do. And uh, well, anyway, that, that, was, that was one of my uh, better moments. I, 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 the reason I wanted to get three was if I made it three and I, and, and I thought that's what the relative difference in strength of the two team is, but I had these other reasons besides what goes into that rating to make me think one team was going to beat the other. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be able to get what I made the number because I, I knew I had an edge at that number. I don't know if I have an edge at two and a half, but I know at three, all these reasons that I have for betting uh, NC State are going to give me some advantage at the number three. In this instance, I cheated a little bit for plus three minus 20, but that also, because we had so much on the wrong side, that didn't really matter. So the plus three minus 20 would cover the wrong side and, and we'd actually have our bet at plus three. If so. you, if you recall that as being a highlight, do you recall a similar low light where you were like, Oh, this. Oh yeah. I laid pick with Texas tech against St. John's and uh, the NIT it closed St. John's too. And St. John's got the last 10 of the game to win by one. Jeez. Oh, it's like that St. John's Georgetown game the other day where St. John's closed it 23 to nothing. Yeah, I lost that one too. Yeah. I lost both the St. John's Georgetown <laughs> game today. We were talking about that. Uh, St. John's was 20 ahead in the first game, lost, and then 23 owed us in the, in the second game. We, had, we lost both ends of it. And then I asked Matt, so think about how many times we were 20 ahead and lost and how many times we were 20 behind and won and come back to me with what you come up with. And yeah, I got you. All right, you're right. So if the 80s and mainly perhaps even more the 90s and then the early 2000s were sort of the heyday for you. Yeah, the, uh, I'd say the, uh, yeah, the, the, the early 2000s, uh, right around when the odds was written, actually, ironically. Right around when the he odds He wrote it the year after that, the year after I did that NC State thing. But we, we were actually, that year we were ahead, I mean, I could, I'll spit, what difference does it make? I'll spit, you know, it's, it's, it's so long ago. We're ahead 1.2 million after a month. This is a three-way partnership, which is an you know, insane amount of money like to win in a month. Like We didn't bet that much. Oh, we bet big, but that's not that much. Out of control. And I remember when February hit, we, I, we did the figures, and we're stuck uh, 280000 Like, dude, this isn't good. And from then on in, we won, every single, we won virtually every single game the rest of the year. Like, we just killed it. And, and part of that win was that NC State game where Jeez. we're just on this big roll. Uh, yeah, that was but a good year. And that year, uh, our friend, a friend of, uh, of, of my partner uh, was diagnosed with brain cancer. 
And we had agreed that we were going to give, well, they, they were giving 10% of the profits to them. I only gave five. I didn't even know the guy, but I'll throw 5% in. Mm-hmm. I barely knew him. I, I, I knew him to say hello. Uh, and when he came to town, we happily said, here, by the way, we did pretty good. Uh, in those days, Alan, because if you could bet a lot, you could bet a lot. Yeah. And, and it was, people knew bookmakers knew that you were this successful. They moved and, the line and they moved the line. It's not like today. Not at all. Well, I mean, maybe someone will come in and, and maybe we'll, maybe someone will actually hire a real bookmaker, which I'm hoping happens in Vermont. I'm, I'm a guy in Vermont speaking with me. They're trying to legalize sports betting up there. And I'm, I'm trying to get a friend who we all know to, to go up there and do it. And, and I'd love to help. If you have a real bookmaker, a real bookmaking operation, instead of these uh, bean counters and know absolutely nothing, come in and, and actually book bets, you'd see how it's supposed to be done and, and how the business is supposed to be run. Yeah, you want to know what smart guys are betting because it helps form your line. I mean, Mr. Vaccaro knows that. He used to, open a, he used to get abuse for opening a, a stale line to somebody. But he had a reason for doing it. If he let's say so, let's say uh, let's say there's five games. Okay, uh, let's just pick San Diego State's uh, eleven, uh, UNLV's three and a half, uh, Colorado State's four and a half. This is the present line. Okay, we'll just do four games to make it less confusing. So San Diego State's eleven, UNLV's three three and a half, Colorado State's four and a half, and uh, New Mexico's uh, 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 pick with Air Force. Those four games. And that's the present line. Now, someone calls me and said, all right, we're opening. And they opened me San Diego State, nine and a half. And the game's 11 everywhere. Mm-hmm. Now, you could, be, you could be saying, well, what's this guy doing? You know? But when I say pass, he knows that he can open this game nine and a half very, very safely. He gets, and write business. He get, he gets information from that. But with legalization, I'm sure you anticipated the worst of what could happen post-legalization. And does any of this surprise you that books are now behaving as they do? Yeah. Some of it does surprise you. Oh, shocking. Really? You didn't expect it to go this bad? I thought that I thought someone would actually try to understand how to book, but they don't. They're all narrow-minded bean counters. They don't, they don't look at big pictures. When Vinny was in here, I said the idea, of course, is to get people in a casino, right? Yeah. When they first put sports books in, in Vegas, they weren't here to make money. Loss leader. They were here to keep their big customers because yeah. when Caesars, where Vinny was, put their beautiful sports book in, all the quote unquote whales were going there because they could bet $10,000 on an NFL game. So they go play back rat till four in the morning. They'd make their NFL bets. They'd go to bed and they'd wake up and watch it on TV and they'd have their bet. No one else offered a sports book. So all the big customers were going to Caesars because they had an opportunity to bet the NFL. So other places quickly threw sports books up, but they had no, there was no need to make money with them. They were there to keep customers. So the whole idea that the sports book must make money is, is, is A, wrong, and B, if you're going to make money, what's the best way to make money? And, and these people contend that it's staying in the market, throwing people out, and I would contend it's no. No. Get everyone you can in your casino, which, by the way, there's tertiary value to having X more number of people in a casino, right? Because they might get drunk and they might go and blow money or they spend money in a restaurant and your waitresses make more tips. Whatever it is, it's good to have people in a casino rather than out. So if I ran a, a casino, if I ran a sports book, number one, we'd have a line way different than everybody else. 
we'd move that line as we took bets. Sometimes we'd move it the wrong way just to have fun. We'd do anything to get business in there. The late night game, I'd offer like a dollar five either way. If you're in the casino, you have to be live to get the dollar five. The app would have to have a dollar ten. You do anything you can to get people in there. Yeah. Have contests every hour. Do anything you can just to, who cares if you give away something? You're going to get it all back. And they don't understand that. They don't understand that at all. How'd you lose this much money in a game? Well, <laughs> it's no. a game. Well, and in the case of, of the Euro, as we call them, the Euros, the European influence that now exists in legalized jurisdictions in the U.S., maybe they do understand that, Alan, and they just don't give a damn. And they realize that they can create whatever new betting generation to conform to whatever it is they want to. They can do what they want, but I guarantee you they're minimizing their profit. Yeah. No, I agree with you. It doesn't bother me any. I'm not going to do this anymore. I mean, this is just, it's not fun. You think this is the end for you? Yeah, there's no way. No I, more college it, basketball. It sucks that I had a really bad day the last day. Uh, yeah, was, someone made the mistake of asking me if I was getting another great day, and like, <laughs> I completely broke down oh. and had a, a really bad thinking day. I had winners. So I just didn't have the right amounts on it because I just, my brain was just not. And plus, I had three days without sleep and then took an overnight flight. I was, I was really, uh, I'm like centered now. It's a shame that, uh, the last day didn't happen. We had good bets the last day. Yeah. A lot of people lost that last day of college basketball before all the cancellations. It was a weird day. Yeah, teams weird. that teams were on bubble that had to win just were that were nine and a half point favorites lost by double digits. Looks like the kids were distracted too. The last day of the 20, uh, 1920 basketball season. Um, let me ask you about and and forgive me if you don't want to talk about this because I didn't I didn't prep you. We didn't talk about this beforehand. I don't do preps. There was uh an incident that most people are aware of here where you got mugged or you got jacked. Like what was that story? Okay. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> like I'll tell you the story, but I don't know why it happened to this day. So Mr. Vaccaro is putting on a uh, beat Boston contest and we're what, laying. What year is this about? I was living in my new home and it wasn't far into the new home. So, Alan Boston, kind enough to join us here on a numbers game, special best of edition of a numbers game right here at VEASAN, the sports betting network. Uh, Alan? 2007 or eight. I don't remember. I honestly don't remember. Okay. But I was in, oh, actually, I can, I can tell you when it was because Matt, Smiling Matt was my trainer. And I just moved. No, it was 2003 or so. Okay. Yeah. 2003, 2004, right. Okay. What casino? Jimmy, Jimmy's put on a Beat Boston contest? We're doing it at the Riviera, a okay. Leroy's property. All right. right. And uh, we laid 30000 or 20000 that we'd, we'd, I'd out-handicap the other guy. And we picked five games on a Friday night. Uh, the problem was, after week one, where I went 4-1 and one and he went 3-2, and two, was the following morning when I was trying to bet the games I liked, people were, like, hammering him. There is a good story to all this. So, I love since it was the first conference game. And Cincinnati was playing at Marquette. My memory sucks, by the way, but with this, it's good. It's re really weird. So anyway, I'm trying to lay Cincinnati minus 2, minus 20 for a big bet. But someone keeps betting minus 2.5. So it keeps going to 3 at Chris. And I have to hold this line till 8, 8 a.m. when Grande opened. Grande took a big bet, and we had one other place that opened at 8 that took a big bet. So I had to get this game to back to 2.5. by. So I, I had to hit... The plus three, they took 2,500 at the time. I had to hit it four times. And the fourth time, I timed it right, and it was two and a half, and now it got sent two and a half to the whole industry. And now we laid two minus 20. And we, meanwhile, we had this extra 10,000 to bet. And it turned out the game fell three. So I sided it for an extra 10,000. Amazing. 
Yeah, that was that was a good that was a happy story. Yeah. Uh, but I also told Jimmy the next week we're, we're in trouble. I can't give these games out. You know, I, I can't give what I like out because. So that didn't work out too good. That was another favor I did for somebody that cost me uh, cost me fifteen thousand. We were probably laying too much anyway. I probably couldn't lay three to two. So what? Oh well. So, anyway, so one yeah. day while walking over there, uh, I. Uh, I'm walking across the street, and, and, and all I could tell you was I got up and I said, wow, what's that bump on my head, you know? And, and I walk in there, and Jimmy said, uh, hey, what's up? I said, well, I'm here to do a show. He says, you're not doing a show. I said, what do you mean I'm not doing a show? I had no idea what happened. This happened outdoors? Right, this happened just outside the Riviera, where supposedly there were cameras. There was one girl that was witness to it. She said there were two people. One of them had a, 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 some iron and they cracked me in the head with that. I didn't oh. see him, obviously. I would have stopped it if I saw it. I was strong as an ox and uh, in, in very good shape. And, and that's probably what saved my life, by the way. That's what... That's what uh, but it's not like any money was stolen or no, anything? No, I had 5000 in my pocket. They didn't take it. Uh, the only thing I came up with was I was wearing a uh, full-tilt hoodie and a beanie. And the only thing I came up with is, is, is I was in a gang area and I had the wrong colors on. Huh. That's the only thing I can come up with. Oh my! Because I never screwed anybody. I, I, right. I never. And nobody ever caught any. I never banged someone's wife or, or robbed anybody or cheated anybody. I, 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 I do have honor. People don't like me, but I do have honor, and that's one thing they, they, they will. Most people will agree on is Boston's not gonna, you know, They'll screw you, you over. Uh, Perpetrator was never caught. No. Even though there were cameras. The cameras weren't working. Yeah. I could have sued the Riviera and, and, and had an easy case, but that's not my style, you know. But I ended up in the trauma center, and, and, and the guy there said, you know, you have a separate – there was actually a, a, an, e, an, an EMT guy, retired EMT guy, and he told me to lie down, and he diagnosed me immediately with a, a, a concussion and a separated shoulder. And uh, I remember the security guard wanted my ID, and I told him to go F himself. And the EMT guy says, well, you're, he said, you're the toughest guy I've ever seen in my life. Like, <laughs> me? Not really. He said, no. He said, you took, you took a shellacking like, like few have ever. And I have no idea what it was about. My God. Jeez. You know, I, I hoped it wasn't because I thought Jerry Tarkani was an idiot. I, you know, I made that clear on the radio that I thought he was a terrible coach. But, you know, he was revered around here. I'd hope someone wouldn't hit me over the head for that. But anyway, uh, you know, I still got a little lump in my head uh, for – I can't notice. My trouble. Yeah, well, yeah. it's here. Yeah. You felt it. Uh, but both the, the EMT guy and, uh, and the physical therapist I went to uh, told me that because I was so strong, my core was able to absorb more of it than my head did. And it probably saved my life. He said the best case you probably could have come out of this was a, a vegetable of some sort. That's how hard a blow I hit. Like they really just they were trying to kill me. Well, I'm sorry to have people uh, would have uh, probably preferred. But uh, anyway, yeah, I have no idea what it was about. It sucks. I won every game that week, too. <laughs> we would have, would have got back into the contest. So when did when did uh, when did you leave Vegas? Why did you leave Vegas? And we'll wrap it up with how you feel about sports betting these days and why you think you don't want to do this anymore. When did you leave? Oh, I, Vegas? I haven't wanted to do it for the years. I wanted to quit. I wanted to be a school teacher. What Chad did the book in two thousand, like yeah, I even talked to him about it. Like you know, he did the. Uh, I said, "Would you be willing to be a, a you know a guest?" Because he was a good writer mm-hmm. before he before he completely lost his mind with this uh, sports betting stuff. He was he was a very good writer. His first, 
I said no to that book originally, by the way. Chad Millman, who wrote The Odds in right. 2001, I believe it was? I don't know. We're, the first show we watched, we, we watched the episode one of Freaks and Geeks together. Wow. Which is my uh, all-time favorite TV show. Did you enjoy the experience of The Odds? Did you enjoy the experience of The Best of It, which you were featured in as well? Sports betting documentary. Uh, I don't know. To me, it's just, it is what it is. It's just, I don't know if joy is the right word. It was interesting. Interesting. So why'd you leave Vegas finally? So I had planned, I, I, so I, I built this house in uh, Queensridge. And I remember I put like 600,000 cash into it and took a mortgage for 730,000. Those were the exact numbers. So I built this place for 1.33. And a year later, on Zillow, it was $3 million. This is the housing market. All right, I have a $700,000 mortgage place. Things worth $3 million. I'm in good shape, and mm-hmm. I have money. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be all right. I, I'm going to retire soon and, and go teach school. That's exactly what my plan was. Uh, however, I'm not one who's very good with money, and I always assumed I'd be able to make it. And, and by making it, I mean make, like make a lot. Uh, and... When I started running out of money and I, they had these uh, loans that they were, the government loans uh, that you could apply for, I had to list my expenses. And when I listed my expenses for the month, I realized that, you know, it's okay to make 250000 a year, which is quite a good salary. But if you're spending 400000 math. the math's not good. Yes. Plus, your house is losing value every year. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, you know, I had a couple of years that weren't so good. One year, I lost a little, actually. And one year was a, a peanut win, which, you know, that's my whole salary. I, I have no salary except betting college basketball. I had quit college football by then. Right. I, I told Mr. Walters one. I called him up one. I, 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 had, I was up in Maine, and I had dinner with a... a uh, Mindy, a, la- a lady and I had dinner up in Maine, and uh, I said, boy, I'm dreading this uh, college football season. It was Old Orchard Beach, Maine. I love it up there. Chad went up there to do an article, too, uh, for ESPN, the magazine, which I, 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 that one I did like. I, I thought that was very good. Uh, I was also in good shape, so they had a good picture when I was in good shape. Uh, <laughs> you said that was your biggest regret, regret about the best of it, that oh, you yeah, weren't fat, in good shape. Fat pig in the best of it. Yeah, that's terrible. I, I really, I really, I don't the, only, that, fat the only thing... I'll, I'll get back to that in a second. Yeah. Uh, so I told her I really am not looking forward to college football. She said, well, do you need the money? I said, yes, but no. You know, I really don't. She said, well, life is short. So the next morning, I called up Mr. Walters. I said, you know what? I've had a lot of fun. You've been very fair with me. I've honored to have worked with you, and I just don't think I can put enough effort into this to warrant getting what you're giving me for this. So, thanks. He respected that, I'm sure. Of, of, of course. Like, I yeah. could have sent him a list every week and, sure. and taken the free roll. And I even could have called my partner and asked him what he liked to just sent his list in every week and made money. But that's not the right thing to do. That's, that's you know, that's deceitful, and I'm not going to do that. So, Is that the last time you spoke to Billy? No, no. I, I've spoken to him several times. Mm-hmm. Several times after I stopped with him and – written several letters in jail and, and wrote a letter on his behalf uh, that, that I thought was very good, but obviously wasn't good enough. Uh, 
and still write letters to him. And his wife told me he was going to call me from jail, but that that didn't happen. So that's a little disappointing. Uh, what did you want to say about your weight and uh, the best of it? You were going to say something. You said we'll get back to that. Yeah. So anyway, that's when I ended. That's when I ended football. Yeah. And I only came back to do football when someone who followed me on Twitter asked me if I'd be interested. So uh, the weight thing, right? So two years ago, I called. Back to the best, back to the beat Boston contest. Mm-hmm. The final show, I brought in a uh, a physio ball, which is one of these big round balls. And my trainer at the time was Matt, smiling Matt. I called him, uh, and he we had just done an exercise recently where I kneel on the physio ball. So I I'm kneeling on top of the physio ball. I eventually learned how to stand and wow. on a physio ball and do squats. On yeah, I was I was, I was a really good athlete, uh, it, but it's not that hard. But doing weighted squats while standing on a physio ball is, is a little tricky. But that was fun. That's fun, by the way, to me. Hmm. And, and this will all make sense in a second. Because obviously I wanted to be a baseball player, and that never transpired. I quit it at all too young an age and really talented. Uh, so I, that's my regret. Like, when I read the book, The Bottom of the, Th- Bottom of the 33rd, which is an amazing read, I, I completely broke down. Like, just, it was, just hit at every regret in life. Uh, so athletics can be a little tricky with me. But so we have this big physio ball, and I'm kneeling on it, and he takes a foam roller, which were kind of new back then, and he said, all right, I'm going to whack you in, your, in the abs with this foam roller. So get ready. Mm-hmm. And during the uh, 8.30 commercial break, I said, all right, this is uh, Matt Anthony, and he's the reason I'm still alive now because he's the one that got me in such good shape that I was able to withstand that blow to the head. I said, and if anything ever comes to this and we go on tour with the Beat Boston contest, I have come up with a commercial. So I brought the physio ball, and he had the foam roller, and I got up on – it was a little tricky because the floor was uneven, but I eventually got kneeling on top of the thing, and he takes the – the foam roll and whacks me in the gut with it. I said, there we go. We got a beat Boston commercial. Perfect. That's right. perfect. Uh, so back to the fat pig thing. So when I came to Vegas, uh, I was 5'8", probably 215, and not because I worked out. I drank a lot, did a lot of Coke, wasn't healthy. Uh, one day a doctor said, I don't know what you're doing, but you better stop. And I always had low self-esteem, you know, thought I was ugly, What you know, what girl would have a look at me, and you know, thoughts that probably a lot of people have battled in their lives, but I really battled them. Uh, so I thought that getting into the gym would be helpful for both the self-esteem, which eliminates clutter of the brain. I thought it would help my thinking. That was my, my thought, that getting to the gym would help my thinking. So I started working out. Uh, my roommate actually was a, was a personal trainer, and uh, so we worked out together. And eventually... Uh, when 24-Hour Fitness opened in, in Summerlin, they gave me six free training sessions. That's how I found Matt. Matt's from Maine. Like, I refused him, but they said, this kid's from Maine. Mm-hmm. So, I just, so Matt, Matt opened my eyes to what, what the possibilities of working out are. He would, we didn't do the same workout in three and a half years. I worked out with him five days a week. Always different. Not the same, never, never had the same workout. He was wildly creative, and I respected him to no end. And, and in fact, I'm going to call him when I get, off, when I get out of here. i got to call him. Uh, so he, he, he made me understand what a workout really was. And from there, it just got crazier and crazier to uh, the point where uh, Brian, who was my last trainer, and he, I worked out with him for over nine years. He's now a, a detective in uh, 
the Las Vegas Police Department, uh, and I'm having dinner with him Sunday. I told him, when you're leaving, I said, when I have dinner with you, I'm leaving. So uh, I called him up two years ago. I said, you know, the proudest moment of my life, you might think, some people might think, you know, graduating Ivy League school or, you know, being a part of the odds or the best of it or being on outside the lines or whatever, you know, whatever nonsense that people think it is. Uh, no. The proudest moment of my life is I walk into a workout, and the workouts were being amped up for sure, but I was in good shape. I mean, you know, I'm training five days a week. I never eat a wrong thing. I, I look good, like really good. This is someone who hates the way he looks, but I, I was ripped. Uh, and we do this four-exercise superset with chest, just crazy. I think we did like heavy bench and incline and uh, pec deck and push-ups. Those were probably the four exercises. Back to back to back to back. Then I rested for a minute or so, and we did them again. And we did four sets of this. We've never done four exercise superset before. And I am just destroyed. Like, I'm like crawling to the next thing. And he's already over there, you know, all grinning. And I'm on the bench, you know, with my head between my legs. You know that look when yep. you've had enough. And he said, okay, we're going to do a burpee, which if you don't know what a burpee is, look it up. We're going to do a burpee and explode to a pull-up. Four sets of eight. And I can't even stand out of my chair. And I looked at him. I said, are you, are you out of your effing mind? And he said, so you're just going to be a, a whatever your whole life? Mm -hmm. And I said, F you. And I got up, and I did four sets of eight of that exercise like it was absolutely nothing. And I'm like, I called him later that day. I said, you know what? I've copped out my whole life. Thanks. I learned a lot today. And, and two years ago, I called him and said, you know, that was the proudest moment of my life. That day, I did that four exercise, four sets of eight burpee exploding to a pull-up when I couldn't even stand. Did you say you were on outside the lines? Did you mention? Yeah. yeah. What were you on outside the lines for? Oh, boy, they don't like me either. I gave them probably the best interview I've ever given anybody. Three hours of, of, of stuff. Uh, they, they, it was when the NCAA tournament was starting to get big. They wanted to compare an amateur to a pro. Oh, I see. And Chad had the ready-made pro because he had done the odds and had me. Mm -hmm. And... Despite what anyone thinks, there's not many MEs around who do their own work and, and you know, and, and don't follow anyone at all. I, I want to just get to this because you, you say this is, you know, this is you don't want to bet anymore. You don't want to do this anymore. Explain what the factors are that are going on in the market today that lead you to that. Well, number one, I'm 62 this year. Number, number one, I'm 62 this year. Number two, I planned on retiring years ago. Number three, the joy of living in a multi-million dollar home with your, you know, high ceilings and big TV and Berber rug and your Great Dane lying around and the desk that's exactly what you wanted it. Uh, there's something to be said for that. Uh, and, and going to the gym every day, five days a week, and just getting the living crap beaten out of you and loving every minute of it. Uh, that, that's, that's fine. The beginning was fun because it was all fresh and new, and I was trying to figure it out. The middle was good because I made a lot of money, and I lived the life of, lived the life of Riley. And my yearbook, uh, my yearbook quote, by the way, is from a, a, an old show called Maverick with uh, James Garner. And he said, as my pappy used to say in my quote, here's my quote. How prescient am I with this quote, by the way? Work is a good way to while away the time, but a bad way to make a living. Mm. That was my yearbook quote. So I always thrived to be independent. That was my dream in life. So in that, in that regard, I succeeded. But 
the joy of, of winning money isn't enough anymore. And, and trying to bet is just a, is just a nightmare. You can't get down. It's just, uh, they look at you like you're like, you have a gun in your hands. Uh, if you try to make a bet, uh, and, and there are people who are now betting as soon as the line opens or before there is any, before there is enough market, you have to be able to bet X number of dollars to earn a living. Like what's your edge on a game? 2%. So what are you earning on a thousand dollar bet? $20? Maybe. I don't I'm not a math guy. So that's a good guess. Yeah. So, you so, know, so you're talking you're earning $20 on a game and you bet a million dollars. What's that? What have you made? $20,000. That's not going to get through the year. You know? So are you talking about people who are not so, originators like yourself? Who they move? might be originators. They, 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 they certainly know what they're doing because they bet, they bet all the right sides, but they are betting before there is market and they are influencing the line. And to start the day off, there's, you know, five or six games that are no longer bettable. And, you know, more, more, more of those are going to win than lose. Yeah. And, and now you're, you know, now you have to find other ways to win it. And, and, and luckily, you know, like, like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not bragging when I'm saying I'm good at this. I am like, I, I have ideas that, that I, I, I told her just like so far ahead of the game. It, it's nuts. Like when I did that Jeffrey Ma podcast, those guys talked after like I was some genius and one of them went to MIT and one of them went to Yale. Like, that's the first time I even considered myself to be smart when they talked about it. So, obviously, I have a, a knack for this that, that's very, very profound in a simple kind of way. I really do keep it very simple. But yeah. it's also very profound when I'm thinking about my adjusting a team. Obviously, a lot goes in my head that, that I could never teach anybody. But I've, I've tried it, but... yeah. Well, no, I, and we've had you on the show, and you've, you've done a, a pretty good job of breaking that down. I find it interesting, though, that you needed others to tell you, others with a pedigree to tell you that you were genius-like about this, but you never really acknowledged that to no, yourself. No, it's just, it was just a way to make money. That's all it was. Yeah. It was an escape for me. Remember, if you remember the, ori the, the original reason I became a gambler, it was to escape evil thoughts. Yeah. It was to escape life, really. I just, uh, so that, that, that was the purpose of it. It wasn't anything at all. I, and, and, you know, I, I, what I do is very, very simple. I never even thought about it. I just did it. Yeah. And, 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 and ultimately that is the highest level, right? You, when you just react to something, that's the highest level. And, and I always encourage people, you know, do not spend money on a tout because if I was a tout, they couldn't win. If I charged them, they couldn't win because you're already stuck the money you're paying me. And now if I'm any good, the line that I give them to bet at is going to fly like, you know, fly like uh, crazy. So, the, you know, unless you can give it out where people can all do it at the same time, I'm sure there's a way to do it, but you can't win with a tout. You're better off just picking some sport or league or conference or anything that you feel like you have some knowledge at and just winging it. Just that line's too high, that line's too low, or, or, and, that, and that's it. That's your simple thought. Don't overthink it at all. React to that line. That's how you should bet if you're an amateur. You happy today? Do you consider yourself a happy guy? I've never been a happy guy. So still not? So still not. No, not even close. Content, though? Because I know you and I, when we talk offline, we talk about how you interview prospective candidates for the University of Pennsylvania. You enjoy that. I do enjoy that, yeah. Yeah. I enjoy that whole... Uh... <laughs> There's a show uh, on called The... the uh... this, this, I think there's a reason for that. I... I, I... Obviously, my teen years were not your typical 
teen years. And and that's not atypical, which, by the way, is the best show on Netflix. Atypical is mandatory viewing. Oh, wow. It's an incredible, right. incredible show. Probably will be in my top five. Just Yeah, and Sex Education is the other one. They're both very high-level genius TV shows. But there was something about helping kids in their teen years to guide them a little bit. There's something about that that resonates with me. And I think because I was so lost in those years that it would have been nice to have me help me guide my way through it back then. I probably wouldn't have ended up a sports better. I might have had a more normal existence, yeah. but you know, I'm not I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining. Believe me, I drew the good end of the stick. How many people get to build their own home and 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 live on uh, you know in, in Queens Ridge North and spend summers in Maine. But you it know, all I, it, I, I man, I, I did yeah. great. I'm not complaining. Yeah. If I if I die if I'm broke the rest of my life, I, I won. Well this is why a conversation like this is so interesting because it all makes sense. It all makes sense when you lay it out like you have. Oh hopefully it did. A lot of it makes sense. And I hope listen, I know you say you're not gonna bet college basketball anymore. I take you at your word. If you change your mind It's and not you, fun. Yeah, it's not fun, and I don't know. I don't know if it's beatable. We won this year, but it was just. It's just. I don't know. I'm working with different people, and and you know, and, and the reason I I I brought on the I I explained this last time. I brought in the kids yeah. from Three Man Weave because I, I hope, like I said, I'm never going to be that guy who who's on there, evaluating why plus seven's a good bet. Yeah. Even though there's no one more. There is no one in this world that's more. Intuitive, intuitive as you. There's no more qualified. Yeah, true. I beat the game my whole life. Yeah. You know, you can have people on here and they can say they did this and did that or they bet this and they bet that, but they're all, most of them are full of it. Okay? They are. You can't, if, unless you devote your entire 24-7 to betting college basketball, uh, you're not beating it. So all these people who claim they do this, this, and this, and this, they wouldn't even have time to do this. Well, this, this is why I wanted to do this, Alan, because I got to tell you something. Years from now, when I look back on this, just how you were looking back on stuff, I will point – honestly, this is, a, this is a highlight for me because the privilege of being able to sit with you for a long period of time and really find out about what made the man and what made the better that you are, uh, this is a complete privilege, and I, I speak on behalf of the listeners as well, I'm sure. Like, <laughs> I doubt it. But... No, no, no. T totally. Like, this is – you are not – you are – you're an original. You're an originator. You are somebody that doesn't exist today. And I know – and you'll correct me if I'm wrong. I know that when you see – and now with legalization, sports betting media is a thing now – and about 98% of it, if not 100, I don't know, but a huge percentage of it must really gnaw at you. I don't read it. Yeah. I don't read it at all. But the three-man weave kids do, do know what they're talking about, and mm -hmm. they do have an old-school feel to their modern approach. They write in a very modern way where they reference Ken Palm and all these other things that I don't even know what they are. Yeah. But when I explain to them why it might not be 100% the right way to talk about it, they understand. They don't just automatically refute me like you're an old dinosaur who don't know what the hell you're talking about. That would not be accurate. That would not be I'm accurate. still smarter than, than they all are. So, and I have evolved with the times. I've eliminated, like, the way I handicap now is compared to the way I handicap back in the early days, isn't even, it's not even the same. It was all psychology back then. I talked to Chad about how I got inside each team and tried to feel the ebb and flow of that team, knowing when they might play well and knowing when they might not. That's all gone by the wayside when it became a big money game. These teams playing their last road games, you know, 
like I really laid into Spiker for Drexel. I write for the Always a Dragon blog. The last thing I wrote on there, by the way, I'm very proud of. You read uh, it to me off air. I really, it's I really great. am proud of it. It's on Always a Dragon. I really, I really liked what I wrote there. Uh, but Spiker played as Cam Winter for 40 minutes, some lame duck game. Like, you, you, there's no point. Like these guys trying to win these games instead of just playing possum. If I coached uh, uh, a one bid league, I might dump the whole year and get ready for conference tournament. I might play a completely different game during the year and then pull out all the tricks for the uh, conference tournament. Yeah. Because the idea is to get an NCAA tournament. And you're still not interested in betting in-game? It's not your thing? Because I think you'd be spectacular at it, given the fact that you love the ebb and flow of how a team ends up with the final score that they get to. Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 a different kind of uh, it's a different kind of thinking. I I could do it if I didn't have a bet on the front end. Like I I did have some good halftime bets on uh, like I was pretty sure St. Mary's was going to win at the half. And it's interesting though that you're, you're I was pretty sure Northern Kentucky was going to beat Wisconsin Green Bay by a hundred. Your pre-flop bet might influence you, is what you're saying, or might I can't watch a game objectively when I bet on it. Interesting. Cannot, and I know it. The good news you is know I know it. it, and you know it. That's a, that is a good. Yeah. Thing. No, it's 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 number one. It's not fun anymore. Number two. I don't know. I might not be able to earn a living any other way, so I might not have any other choice. But I'm going to give poker a shot, even though it's kind of a dead thing. But I, I've always been ahead of the game with that, by the way, too. All right, there like you my go. ideas about poker have always been different, but the people that laugh at me now are now finding out that my ideas are what the computers are telling them to do. So yeah. once again, I, I've, for some reason, my brain just logically gets at it in a good way. I don't know. It's awesome. I, I Listen, whether you choose to do college basketball, whether it's all poker, either way, I hope you will be willing to come back on when you want to. You're always welcome to come back on the show. Well, thank you. You have to have some honesty on here, right? Yeah. <laughs> I want I want, I want. to have it as honest as humanly possible throughout. Well, I don't bullshit. So, I, I mean, yeah. that's one thing I can say is is, is not one word of bullshit that I've said uh, on any show at any time. Like, I know that. I don't have to go back and think about what I said because what I said is the truth. That's right. So I don't have to talk about some future bet I made that I actually didn't make, you know, and et cetera, et cetera. Alan, thank you, man. You're welcome. I appreciate it so much. Alan Boston, kind enough to join us for an extended period of time. Um, and I, uh, I think I speak on behalf of everybody. That helps us understand where you came from and, and uh, become the better that you are. But... Oh, they care. They care. Um, American icon in the betting world, Alan Boston, right here exclusively on a numbers game at VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. 
the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.